that's all heaven's going to be, and I praise God for that. First John tonight, the book of First John, not John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. First John, we're almost at the end. We started in May of 2019, and we will be finishing in May of 2021. And so that means we skipped a few weeks and did a few other things or whatever else happened during that time. It will be about a two-year project to get through all the books of the Bible. I mentioned that for the summer, next week I'll try and have the cards out and printed. I'm going to, during the summer, I'm going to, if you have a topic that you would like, maybe you, you haven't heard preaching on in a long time, or maybe a topic that's, that maybe you don't understand well that you write down, just know, first of all, I might not know much more than you do, and so we might not even do anything with it, or we might cover it. And so during the summer months, we will go through, and that will be a little um, fun thing that we do over the summer. So if there's a Bible doctrine, a topic, something that just interests you that you would like to know more about, let me know that, and we'll work at it. First John, First John. Out of all the disciples, and all the disciples have different qualities, good qualities, bad qualities, which I'm glad to see that they had bad qualities too, just to see that no one is perfect. I, my favorite disciple or apostle would be John. I love Peter, don't get me wrong. I love all of them except Judas. Judas just irks me the wrong way, but poor guy. And uh, if he would just would have paid attention, he was right there right with Jesus, for three years and didn't get it. Sad thing is, a lot of people could sit in a good church for many years and not get it. But John was described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was the way God wanted him to be described. I remember as a kid reading the book of John and thinking, man, this guy's arrogant saying that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. But that's how Jesus worded it. This is also the disciple that Jesus chose to take care of his mother when he died on the cross. He's also the last of the disciples to live. He got to see some things, the book of Revelation, that none of the others got to see banished to an island to be by himself, to be never heard of again, and then the Lord brings him the closing book of his word. He didn't get stopped. When I think of John, you see a, he, the fr- love is mentioned a lot in the, the Gospel of John. It's mentioned a lot in this book as well. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll go into Second John and Third John. As we look at 1 John tonight, I want you to, we're going to read verse number 1 and start there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Kind of starts out similar to, uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with, was God. You can tell John's writing style here. For the life was manifested... And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the father 
and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful us to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'm just going to give you a little teaser here. I'm not going to go into it tonight. But a lot of Christians will quote verse number 9 about about our fellowship with the Lord. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Put that verse in context with the passage where we're reading it here. That has to do with salvation. Because if you look at the verse, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If you say you have no sin, you can't be saved, right? Because that's part of salvation, knowing that you're a sinner. If you, That's one of the things I'll ask. And my children, I don't know, you know, you've, you think, when is a child at the right age to give them the gospel? I think you start teaching the gospel at a young age. There's nothing, they should know it from a young age. Say, when do they need to trust Christ? Whenever they do it. And what I've done with my children, and I'm not an expert at it, and who knows, someday they might later on need assurance, and that's between them and God, and I want them to know that they're saved. Not just because they sat down with Dad and decided one day, but they, they are the ones who decide. And when they decide, they, the first question I ask, and any kid that comes to my office, are you a sinner? A couple weeks ago, I had a child come to my office. They wanted to get saved. Are you a sinner? No. You're not a sinner. No. And then a smile on her face. Well, it comes to find out, I just had to break it down about what a sinner really was, and then it made sense to her, and she understood what a sinner was. But if you don't know that you're a sinner, you cannot be saved. But if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse number 1, a phrase that is used several times in the book, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. What a charge right there. Right? Did you notice earlier in chapter number 1, it said in verse number 4, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Then you notice chapter 2, verse number 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. Oh, great, he's writing us this book so that we don't sin. But look at the rest of it. And if any man sin, and when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We skip down. We're going to look at a few more verses tonight before we dive into things. Look at chapter number 2, verse number 15. We know this verse. Love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what is this talking about? What is the, what, what's in the world? Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The three areas that Eve was tempted by the serpent in the Garden of Eden, these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how Satan attacks. When Satan tempted Jesus, the 40 days in the wilderness, what are the three areas he went in? These three right here. This is Satan's attack. This is how Satan attacks us, is through these three listed here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But you see, it is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And who technically is the is the father of the world, if you want to say. Or you, you could say the, the one in charge of, really, who runs the show. Overall, God runs the show. But the God of this world right now, it's Satan. That's his formula. When you get tempted, those three things are probably going to be very close. Just keep that in mind. Go down to verse number 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Now he's trying to warn us about false teachers in this book. Let's go down a little bit further. Let's go down to chapter number... Uh, you can't go through the book of 1 John and not look at chapter 3, verse number 1. We sang it last week. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Chapter number 4. Ye, verse number 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that, who's in you? Who's in us? The Holy Spirit is, correct? Greater is he that's in you than the God of this world, Satan. Greater is he that's in you than any temptation that comes in life. He's greater. We go down a little bit further. Verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's powerful, right? Verse number 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him 
because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that we should that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Chapter number five. This book is full of good stuff. And, it, and I'm skipping over a lot of good stuff that I should mention. Chapter five, verse number one. Wherefore, believeth that Jesus is Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begatteth loveth him that also is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. What is it? Faith. Haven't we been talking about that in the book of Romans? We're justified by faith. The key to overcoming this world is faith. You see that right here? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And look at verse number 5. It says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Hey, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you're saved, you do. You've overcome the world. We're not there yet, but we're going to get there. Verse number 7. Some Bible versions and different texts have arguments in this verse. And this verse mentions, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Clearest verse on the Trinity is that verse right there. Um, verse number 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son, hey, this is very simple here tonight, look at this. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things, oh, here he goes again, these things have I written unto you that believe on the, son of, on the name of the Son of God, that ye may question, that you may kind of know. No, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. God doesn't want his children to doubt their salvation. He gave us his word so that you can know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. What a book. Short five chapters. Contains a wealth of knowledge there for us. We're going to take a little bit of time tonight to just break it down. Don't worry. Pastor Brown last Wednesday night, I won't be that long tonight. We'll be done at 7.30 tonight. He was talking about running a marathon. He preached a marathon last week. And um, so you won't get a marathon tonight. You're just going to get a lap or two. Father, we pray that you just bless our time here tonight. And bless this passage of scripture. I thank you for it. And what a
precious passage this is. Pray that you just help us tonight, guide our thoughts and our actions here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let me give you a few thoughts about John as we get to this, because this will help us with 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And so just some thoughts. First one is this, John was the last of the 12 apostles to die. We mentioned that already. He was the last of the 12. Number two, John wrote this letter as an aged man only a few years from death. Probably somewhere near 90 A.D. is when this was written. It was nearly 60 years after Jesus had died. John was a young man when Jesus, when he followed Jesus. And so this is towards the end there. And up to this point, John served the Lord with his life. We don't have biblical record of what he did with Jesus' mother, but I'm sure he took care of her till she went to go be with the Lord. I don't think Jesus would have given him, given her to him to take care of if he didn't know that he would take care of her. John also, for a while, was at the church of Ephesus, and he faithfully followed the Lord. And so he wrote, number three, he wrote five books of the Bible, the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. And we know that every good church has to have a lot of Johns in it. That's just the way it goes. And so for a while, we used to have, how many, how many Johns do we have right now? Yeah, but right now, how many Johns do we have? Do we just have one now? John Decker, we got two right now. Man, we had, at one time we had five. And so we had St. John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and then John the Revelator. We had all of them. And so now we're only down to two. We got to get some more Johns in the church, John. We got to do something about that. Wrote five books of the Bible. We mentioned those. And uh, the Gospel of John was written probably 20 years prior to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John being written, and they were written pretty close together, and then a few years after that, the book of Revelation was written. Um, John, um, let's see, what's next? Number four, John was the only surviving apostle when this letter was written. I don't know why I repeated myself twice, but I did. He's the last of them to die, but he's the only surviving one when this was written. And 1st John would be basically titled the Family Epistle. The, uh, we think about Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church. John wrote to the family. In this passage, 1 John, the five chapters, he refers to little, little children 11 times. Talks about the father 13 times in just five short chapters. And also in this letter, John addresses a false teaching of the day, Gnosticism. And it was a spreading doctrine. And that doctrine, is, the word comes from Gnostic, it comes from the Greek word for knowledge. And basically they, their belief was that all of the material world is evil, so Jesus could not have actually come in the flesh, and they attacked Jesus for who he was, and there's so much more to the crazy doctrine. Something that's very interesting a lot of people didn't want to include 1 John in the canon of Scripture. And one of the reasons why is because of how it attacks Gnosticism. That's one of the reasons why it needs to be there in the canon of Scripture. And so 
We could talk more about Gnosticism maybe another time. That could be a question, and we could talk about that on Wednesday night during the summer. I don't know. But Paul warned the churches and the church at Ephesus, too, for decades before false teachers would creep in. And John was dealing with the fact that this had happened. And may I just remind you tonight, and this be a help to you, there is false teaching still being spread around today. There always will be. Be very careful about your doctrine. For us today, it's even easier today than what it was in Bible days to get the wrong doctrine. This book should be where our doctrine comes from. But just because someone quotes a scripture, I could come up with lots of doctrines by quoting a scripture out of context anytime you want. That doesn't make it doctrine. We must take the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth. Be careful who you listen to, who you get on the internet and follow. Be careful with those things. And it's important because there's a lot of garbage out there and false teachings. If it was happening in that day, it happens a lot today. And I would I'd be very careful before you go following a lot of people and what they think and what they say. You need to get in this book for yourself, and you need to figure some things out for yourself. Long before I ever became a pastor, and long before things ever, I settled some things. And then there will be even some things that I thought I settled, that I read the Bible now, and I, didn't, I settled it more on a man's opinion than I did on what the Scripture said. And when that comes to a point, the Scripture trumps any man's opinion. The Scripture trumps whatever I say. The scripture is what matters. It's what the words of God, and it's always right. This is more important than any church constitution. Any church's statement of faith, this book is the most important thing. And don't ever lose sight of that. And be careful who you listen to. John's not teaching any new doctrine in this book. What he's doing is he's reminding Christians, some who've been saved for decades in the church, maybe some second and third generation Christians, to stay true to what they've learned and not get sidetracked by things. There's a six-fold purpose. Remember how I said, these things have I written unto you? The six-fold purpose for this letter, for 1 John, the first one is this, number one, is about fellowship. Fellowship. That we may have fellowship. Look at what it says, verse number three. According to, uh, I'm in Second Peter. That's, that, yeah, that wasn't quite right. John 1 John chapter 1, verse number 3. That which was seen and heard declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What's one of the purposes of this book? To ha- that we have fellowship with us and the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The word fellowship, the Greek word means sharing of life together. It's deeper than having a cup of coffee together. It's going through life together, sharpening one another, helping one another, loving each other. You know, if we're being honest, churches today, and even our church for the most part, we do not resemble what the book of Acts taught about the church. They fellowship together. Now, I'm not telling you you can only be with us in this room and no one else. We can go buy some land somewhere and plant some crops and have our own. No, no, if anyone ever, and drink the Kool-Aid together. No, we wouldn't do that. 
I'll give you one lesson. Don't ever take Kool-Aid from a pastor, okay? Don't do that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just listen to that advice right there. But fellowship's important. Life was not intended, and the Christian life is not intended for you to be alone. It's not. In Africa, the lions that are out and about, what do they look for? The weak, unhealthy, and the isolated. One of the weakest links, I would say, in our churches today is fellowship. We're so busy. Our schedules are full. And in all honesty, we need to do a better job of what the Scripture says here. Fellowship's important for the believer. Number two, the book was written for joy. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Hey, having true fellowship with the Lord, serving Him with God's people and the fellowship with God's people, having the proper, look at this, having the proper fellowship with God and the proper fellowship with people will give you joy that this world cannot ever give you. That's what it says right there. That's Bible. So, pastor, we're together. Why, why, why do we have fighting and bickering go on? You want me to go down that road? I could go down that road. Could, we could park there for a little bit. Motive matters. We could go even deeper, you look at it. He said, we read a few minutes ago in chapter number four, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God, knoweth God. He that loveth God, he that knoweth not, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And part of the problem is, we aren't fellowshipping enough with the Lord. If you're bickering with people, that's not one of the fruits of the Spirit, is it? Last time I checked, no. Maybe, maybe in the Greek it's different, but no, it's not. Our fellowship with him is important. People can tell when you hang around with certain people, can't they? Man, the, the, remember in the book of Acts, those early Christians, they could tell that they'd been with Jesus. I get around most Christians and I can't tell they've been around Jesus. I can tell they've been watching television. I can tell they've been uh, doing some things they probably shouldn't be doing. You want true joy? It comes through fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with God's people. But I think part of our problem is we might try to fellowship with God's people, but if you don't have your fellowship with God, your fellowship with God's people will not be joyous. Whew, that's good stuff right there. Man, I wasn't even in the notes tonight. That's good stuff. I should write that down. I can preach a whole message on that right there. Save that for another time. Knowing God and serving Him with God's people produces joy. You want joy that will last? Get some fellowship with God and fellowship with His people. Next, purpose of this book, holiness. 
chapter 2, verse number 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. It's literally what it says. John says, I'm writing to you this book so you don't sin. Like, uh, I failed that one ten times today. How many of you failed that today? How many of you sinned today? Be honest. Those of you that are not honest right now, you lied and you, you sinned too. I love the rest of it. And if, or really the meaning of that, when, when it happens, when any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's there, and praise God for that. But why was the book written? So we wouldn't sin. Maybe sin a little bit less in our life. But when we do sin, and you will, we have an advocate. Praise God for our advocate in Jesus Christ. Thank God that his payment paid the price for my sins. Why was the book written? Fellowship, joy, holiness. Uh, number 4, chapter 2, verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Discernment. It's written for discernment. That you would not, that you'd be able to discern false teaching. You know, one of the biggest dangers in our lives is not unbelief, but wrong belief. Not a lack of religion, but heresy. And it's out there. And that's why it's so important as a young Christian that you get grounded right in the truths of God's word. Because, and one of the things you got to remember, and that's where, that's why Jesus was so big on we go win them, baptize them, and teach them. In all honesty, and wow, it's almost turned into a marathon. In all honesty, we do a poor job of the last one. We might be very good at seeing a lot of people get saved, but that's only part of the Great Commission. You see, the Great Commission is that people get saved, that they get baptized, and that they grow in the Lord and be taught. And this is what happens. If we get a lot of people saved, that's good, great, and wonderful, and, that's one, and people can go to heaven, praise God for that, because that's salvation, that's what it does. But the Great Commission is that those that get saved, they need to be baptized. They need to follow the Lord and believer's baptism, and then they need to be taught right. But this is what we do. We get someone saved, and then we just let them go. That shouldn't be that way. Because if we just let them go, someone else is going to step in and get them the garbage. There are many, you, 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 you wait and see when we get to heaven. I am sure there's going to be a lot of people there that we never would have thought would have gotten in because of all their crazy beliefs and the lives that they lived. But at one point, they trusted Christ and they got saved. But instead of having someone come alongside and help encourage them in the way of God, no one did, and they got into wacky doctrine. If you trust Christ for salvation, your salvation sell no matter what wacky doctrine you follow. That's, that's true. It's very true. 
we got to do a better job of helping teach people the right way. Teach them the importance of baptism. Teach them, teach them the basic truths of God's word and ground them in those things. The book was written for discernment. And then number five is written for security. Security, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Did you know the word know is used 30 times in the book of 1 John? And in all on, and this is, you know, one of the reasons why it's used so much? Gnosticism. Basically, their main thought is, how can you really know? And John's like, you can know. That's why it says it so many times. It's about security. You've got to understand something. John wasn't saying, this is how I feel the Christian life should be. He says, we can know him. We can trust him. We can depend on him. We can. Every promise in the book is true. God doesn't want his children wandering around not secure. He saved you. He's the one who keeps you from falling. God is not the author of confusion. There's security in the Lord. And then you keep on reading verse number 13 there, which gives us number 6. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of the God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, faith. That ye may know, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. As we wrap this all up, and we'll be finished here in just a minute, look at chapter 5. I want to give you the first three verses one more time, give you a quick illustration, have a word of prayer, be on our way. Wherefore, or whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begetteth, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. How, how do we show our love to the Lord? By obeying him. Book of John said the same thing, right? St. John, if you love me, keep my commandments. There are many people that say they love God, but they don't keep his commandments. So how can you say you love God and not follow through? Like, he, remember how it says later on, you say you love me, but you don't love your brother. Well, God wants you to love your brother. So you love God by keeping his commandments and loving like he tells you to. And you've got to understand something. We wrap it all up with this. If you say you love God, your words are going to match your actions. Your behavior, Christian, reveals what you truly believe. Your believing is confirmed by your doing. I'm not preaching about a works-based salvation. We understand, we know that. I'm preaching about salvation that works. It's what James chapter number 2 is all about. Let me give you this illustration to drive home this point, and we'll be on our way. Suppose a man by the name of, I don't know, someone give me a guy's name. 
Bill. All right, let's say Bill started a business. And he put me in charge of his business. Then Bill, he travels to Europe for some business deals, and he leaves me some very clear instructions on how to take care of his business. And while he's away, Bill sends me some emails, and he uh, sends me some letters with further instructions about how to carry on his business while he's gone. And you think about this, and you think he then returns several weeks later to his business. And I've been running it this whole time. But all the emails I got, all the letters I got, he walks in, and the place is in a shambles. I'm not following anything that he said. And he asked me, hey, Brian, did you get the letters? Yeah. Those were awesome letters. And those emails, man, those emails were great. What great ideas. That's a great way to run a business. That's exactly, it's so good. I showed it to all the other employees. And in fact, some of the employees even took some of your letters and typed them and put them on their wall because they thought it was such a great idea. And we even, in meetings, in the, in the meetings in the mornings, we even started memorizing some of your letters because there was such good stuff there. I think that Bill would be a little confused. You might have liked the letters, but why didn't you just do what the letters told you to do? That's what John's saying right here. You might have your doctrine right and say you believe in Jesus, but why aren't you obeying his commandments? If we claim we walk in the light, but we walk in darkness, we lie. Love God, love his word, love his people. This love will be manifested in our daily lives, and that's what First John, John summarizes to us. a great book great truths we need these truths maybe something tonight in the message spoke to your heart take it apply it use it let's fellowship with the lord let's fellowship with his people we can have joy that only he can bring if you're not sure of your salvation like he's written these things god gave us his word so that you can know that you can know that you can know that you have eternal life things were written so we would maybe clean up our lives and live a little better. But even when you don't, we have an advocate. Praise God for that. These things were written so you'd be careful and have some discernment about who you listen to when it comes to doctrine. That's what the book's all about.